right. I'm going to miss that bumper. Um, so uh, a, a couple things before we begin. Like, thank you for clapping for Rachel. Like, I see you guys as, like, the hype people for anybody that's on stage, okay? That's not me. Like, Rachel told me about 50 times that she was not going to come up and do this announcement because she was terrified. I don't know why, but people get a little nervous in front of you all. I don't get it. But you guys are lovely, beautiful people and encouraging. So uh, I'm proud of her for getting up and making that announcement. And just if you uh, feel this little tug or are just interested in helping with kids for the summer, uh, fill out a Connect card, join a team, uh, go on renew.church slash hub and Uh, sign up just for the summer. It'll be amazing. One of the best summers of your life, I promise. Um, Who is in college? Raise your hand. Beautiful. Uh, I know the finals week is coming up, and uh, man, I will be praying for you. It's going to be amazing. You're going to kill it. Uh, If you need anything, fruit snacks or coffee or anything this week, just shoot us a message. We'll deliver it to your rooms. It's all good. Uh, But uh, I'm thankful for the college students that are here. And I just love what Jesus is doing in this church. Uh, I'm excited today because we have two people getting baptized. You're going to be able to hear their stories in a little bit, uh, but I am excited anytime we get to celebrate as a church, as a community, people following Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, if you've been following with us this series, Dangerous Prayers, this is the last week. Uh, Eugene Peterson is a pastor, and he wrote a book, and he has this quote about prayer. Let me put it up on the screen. Uh, Prayer is not getting in touch with your true self, as is so often said. It is the practice of shifting preoccupation away from yourself towards attentiveness and responsiveness to God. It is a deliberate walking away from a me-centered way of life to a Christ-centered way of life. It is certainly true that in weakness and in thirst and desperation, we reach out to God, but the larger, more encompassing reality is that God is already reaching out to us. Prayer has its origin in the movement of God towards us. Now, the first three weeks of this series on prayer, maybe you've noticed, but the prayers have been very me-centered, you-centered, right? Search me the first week. God, when, when I'm angry, when I'm bitter, when, when there's something going on in my heart, when I'm struggling, when I'm anxious, when I'm, when I'm worried, when, when something is going wrong, like we talked about this, this King David stopping in the middle of a sentence and going, hold up, God, search my heart. Search me. Know where my thoughts are anxious. Know what's going on in this head of mine. If there's anything that is not of you, God, deal with it. Transform it. The next week, God, speak to me. We talked about this uh, foundational need for us as Christ followers to learn how to be still so that we can know that God is God. Be still and know that I'm God in this prayer. God, speak to me. What do you have for me? What message do you have for me? 
And last, last week we talked about this prayer. Break my heart. Break my heart for what is happening in this world that is not of you. Like as Jesus followers, we're called to witness the kingdom of earth, kingdom of God here on earth. Like to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth with the way that we live, with the way that we love, with the way that we think. So we talked about this need. God, break me. Break my heart. Have this compassion that wells up inside of me that results in action. Now, all those prayers are great prayers, and I hope that you're incorporating some of those into your prayer life. But all of them have to do with you, right? All of them have to do with me. All of them have to do with me and God. So this morning, I want to challenge us to pray another prayer. I have a question for you. When you pray, when you pray for yourself, when you pray for others, when you pray for friends, and when you pray for your church, what what prayers do you pray? I'm not just talking about like, Hey, will you pray for me? Okay, what do you want me to pray for? Uh, I want sun to come out tomorrow. Okay, I'll pray for you that sun will come out tomorrow. I'm not talking about like those prayers that are need-centric. I'm talking about when you think of yourself, when you think of your friends, the people you're in a relationship with, your roommates, your coworkers, your husband, your wife, your kids, your friends, the stranger getting you coffee at, the, at Starbucks. When you pray for those people, what are your prayers? Think about it. You pray for your church. What are your prayers? Jesus, I pray that the the pastor would speak more of the things that I want him to preach on. No. What do you pray? Because if you're anything like me, I think... We can fall into routines and we can fall into this place where we really don't know what to pray. Uh, yeah, yeah, we pray for others' safety. We, we pray that others are blessed. We pray that their day goes well. We pray that Jesus speaks to them. We pray that they've been, they're healed. What are our prayers for others? Because that's what we're talking about this morning. I want to give you language for when you are praying for yourself, for your friends, or for your church. I want to give you language straight from the Bible of what you can pray for everyone. That is very powerful and goes way beyond. Jesus, keep them safe. Keep them blessed. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we have Paul writing this letter to the Ephesian church. This is the church that he planted, and then he handed over to other leaders to keep pastoring the church. This church started from nothing. Paul went to the city and started preaching to everyone that he could. 
He started in the, the synagogues and he got kicked out of there. They didn't want to hear the message. And so he went to the public places to preach, to spread the gospel in search of finding people who would want to follow Jesus. And actually says that he's preached so much in Acts chapter 19 that everyone in the city heard the name of Jesus. And as people started following Jesus, they started to ditch the things that they used to look towards in life. See, in this culture, Artemis was a Greek god, and this, this culture was very much uh, chasing after a variety of gods to bless them. They would carry around little statues in their pockets that if you had a, the statue of the speed god, I don't know what that is, but it would make you run faster. Get what I'm saying? Like they'd carry around things. Like if I wanted to be rich, I would get the statue, the little statue, and put it in my pocket for wealth. And that would bring me wealth. There was also this idea in this culture that you, there were these levels of knowledge and power in life. And they would often use substances to try to gain levels of power and awareness. So Paul comes on the scene and is preaching to all of that. In the first half of the book of Ephesians, he is rooting us in who God is, who Jesus is, and who we are in him. Second half of the book of Ephesians, he starts giving instructions on how to live to the church. But this Section we're going to go over today, this prayer is in chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. It's kind of the capstone of this section. Of, G, of Paul starts saying, here's who you are in Christ. Here's who Christ is. Here's who you are in Christ. Here's your identity. Here's what you have access to. Here's what you are in Jesus. You were this. You're no longer that. You are this. You were dead. Now you're alive. You were weak, chasing after all these cultural things, but now you're alive and you have access and power in Jesus Christ. And this prayer is the capstone of that first section of the book. Let's begin reading. In verse 14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. From whom every uh, family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Paul says, I kneel. It's a sign of reverence. It's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of humility. He is kneeling down, praying for his church, praying for the people of the church that are following Jesus. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. think about that. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. 
this is a, a beautiful capstone to what he's been talking about in the first couple of chapters. Because Paul, in the first couple of chapters, is trying to get you to see who you are in Jesus. He's trying to get you to see that you are chosen, that there is lavish grace given to you, poured out on you, that you are redeemed, that you are forgiven, that you have hope. Not in your own abilities, not in the world's abilities, not in cultural abilities, but in Jesus. You have hope that cannot be shaken in Jesus. And we have power, this explosive power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, resides in the church. You have power over all rule, over all authority. Over every dominion, over every name, you are the church, you are his body, and the fullness of God who fills everything all the time comes in the church. I got a question. Do you live like that? Do you live like like Paul says in the first chapter? You have access to every spiritual power. Do you live like it? Church, sometimes I think we forget the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think we forget the power that comes with following Jesus. The strength that comes with following Jesus. So Paul is saying, look, there is a God that has created everything. That is far richer than you and I can even comprehend. And you have access to him. Do you believe a church? Because sometimes I think we walk around like we don't believe it, right? We walk around like we're, we're crippled, like we're walking with a limp, which we are, which is why the lavish grace of Christ is so important. But church, sometimes I think we need to pray, we need to live, we need to think like we have access and like the Holy Spirit is working in you and I. Pray out of all that God has, all the glorious riches that you strengthened with power through the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, in your faith. He continues on, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep the love of Christ is. Here's a beautiful thing about these verses is that Paul, when he says you, 
he doesn't mean you, right? He means us. He's writing a letter to the church. In these words, this word for you is a plural form, which means you, all of you. So I love these verses because this has to do with Jesus and us. The burden doesn't fall on just one of us. The burden doesn't fall on you. The burden falls on us as a church, as a body. So he's not praying, I pray that you're strengthened. I pray that you're strengthened. I pray that you would get your act together and get allow the spirit to work in you. I wasn't pointing anybody specific over here. Uh, but he's talking about us all together. Pray that you are rooted and established in love, that love is our foundation. That's where our roots grow down. That's where we become strong and sturdy. And not this love like, like uh, right now there's a cultural love going on where uh, you can only love me if you accept all that I am, right? Like that's what the world says love is. Well, you can only love me if you love everything about me. And I would argue that is the weakest form of love that there is. And it's not based in reality. Like that's not a love that matures. Because what happens, as soon as I stop being who you want to be, you leave. No, the deeper love, the more profound love, the biblical love. Yeah, you are broken and there's things about you that I can't stand. And you post on social media all sorts of crazy things. And you're, you're out there. But guess what? I still love you. With a love that is far greater, far more powerful, far more rooted and established in God than it is in anything going on right here. That's a deep and profound love. That's the kind of love that I want. I want someone to love me with the kind of love that is unshakable. Even when I'm acting crazy. Now, that love is still going to call me out when I'm acting crazy, right? But the love is still there. Being rooted and established in love. That you may have power together with all of the saints. Church, any one of us is not all that powerful. We tend to be actually quite weak. I don't know about you, I'm speaking for myself, I tend to be actually quite weak. In my brain, when I'm thinking uh, how I'm living life, I tend to be quite weak by myself. My strength comes with living in community. This is what Paul is saying. The community that's rooted and established in love, that's allowing the, that's being strengthened by the power of Christ through the Spirit is strong. It's easy to struggle alone. It's easy to struggle when nobody knows the real you. It's easy to struggle when you're just plodding your way through life. You're depending on yourself. You're relying on yourself. I got to muster up the strength every day to get through. I got to make sure my mind is in the right place. I got to make sure my heart's in the right place. I got to make sure I'm doing the right things. And it's so 
easy. But it's not better. Like, I need to be reminded, right? When I'm in the midst of struggling, I need to be reminded. Oh, yeah, you struggle too? Yeah. Oh, oh, you'll pray for me. Okay. You're reminding me of who God is in my life in the midst of chaos, in the midst of struggle, in the midst of pain. I need those people that are going to come around me and remind me of who Jesus is. You know, those people that you're going to confess to, that you are going to receive forgiveness from, that you're going to be loved. You're going to be shown grace. You're going to be challenged. Like Paul is explaining this beautiful community that comes together and is grounded and in, in, in rooted in Jesus, in his spirit, in love. And his prayer is that you would have power. You would somehow begin to grasp the love of Christ. To grasp how wide it is, how long it is, how high it is, how deep it is. And to know the love that surpasses all knowledge. Do you know that love? It's a difference between being able to say, yeah, Jesus loves me. I know, because the Bible tells me so. Right? To going, no, 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 no. I know my Father loves me. Like, I know my Father's got my back. I know there is grace. I know there is love. I know there is gentle correction. I know the Father loves me with everything that I have. And when I forget, when I don't believe it, there is a community that is going to remind me. To know this love that surpasses knowledge. This love that isn't A plus B equals C. This love that goes far deeper is far greater. And Paul continues that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. In the church, through his spirit, the fullness of God will begin to bubble up. And then Paul goes in and and it kind of has this doxology, this closing of the prayer. To which he says, now, now to him who is able, Jesus, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. According to the power that is working within us. To him be the glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. To him who can do immeasurably more than you and I can even ask. 
Church, do we pray like this? Do we believe this? Is this the anchor of our hope? That relationship, yeah. You can do more than I can even ask in that relationship, in that person's life. You can do even more than I can even ask as a church together, as we follow Jesus. You can do immeasurably more than we can even muster to ask. Do we pray like this? Church, this is a shorter sermon because we got to get to some stories. But, but I just invite us to sit in this prayer. Put it on your phone, print it out, put it on your mirror, and start making a habit to pray this prayer over yourself, over your friends, and over your church. This is something that I periodically pray, and I want to invite you along to pray along with me. And I wonder, I wonder what Jesus will do. I wonder what Jesus will do in your life. I wonder what Jesus will do in your friend's life, in your roommate's life, in your professor's life, in your coworker's life. I wonder what Jesus will do in this place as we go out and tell the world about Jesus. Because this is where it starts. And it starts with you. Let's pray. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we pray. And out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with power. In your spirit, in our inner beings. That you may dwell in our hearts in faith. And I pray that we, being rooted and established in love, may have power, your power, together with all the Lord's people. To grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that doesn't make sense. And Jesus, I pray somehow that we are filled with the measure of the fullness of God. Jesus, we praise you. We praise you as a God who can do immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine. According to your power that is at work within us. Jesus, may you be the glory. Amen. Amen. Church, this morning we get to celebrate uh, baptisms. 
Uh, so Anna and Sydney are going to come up and share a little bit of their stories. All right, church, say hi, Anna. Hi. Um, Yeah, so I'm Anna. Um, I grew up in a Christian household, and um, I've always identified as a Christian, but I never really knew what it meant. And it really wasn't until about my senior year of high school um, when there was a lot of things going on within my personal family and kind of just within my overall life. Um... Things that caused a lot of hurt and confusion and um, really left us all at a loss of what to do next. And I remember sitting there watching my mom, um, seeing her through her devastation and her confusion and all that hurt and watching her completely turn to Jesus and seeing that power of her faith and the power of God's love, and um, she brought me alongside with her. And through my hurt and complete devastation, she brought me with her and showed me how to get through, how to turn to God. And then my college career came, and I was forced to leave that. And um, our relationship stayed strong, and um, I went to college in my hometown and decided to live with random people who are now some of my absolute closest people in my life. And they helped me to grow in my own faith and to figure out what that looks like for me and continuously turn to God and feel how real he is and how real that love is for me and for everyone and watching that through hearing different people's stories and knowing my own story. And yeah, I guess that's basically a song. And now I'm here and um, ready to proclaim my discipleship to God. And thank you guys for being here. Kind of like Anna, I grew up in a Christian home and went to church and like went through Sunday school and confirmation, um, but I still didn't really know what it meant to give my life to God. Um, and for a really long time, I struggled with really bad anxiety, depression, feeling like I'm not worthy of anything good, um, which led to a lot of suicidal thoughts and um, just really didn't see a purpose for my life and almost ended everything my senior year, but something told me to um, keep holding on, and God used one of my best friends to help me through that. Um, But then going to college, it got harder, and I didn't really know who I wanted to be um, or where I wanted to go with my life, and a lot of feelings of self-hate and depression crept in really quickly, and I felt really alone. But within a few weeks, I found myself getting involved with the campus ministry, And through that, the true gospel was made clear to me. And by the end of my first semester of college, I gave my life to Christ. And because of that, I know now that the thoughts that I was feeling or hearing were lies. And that I am loved because God says that I am. And I am worthy because God says that I am. 
And I was, I've moved through college, I've had a lot of highs and lows, but God has always remained constant and led me to experience some amazing things, meet some really amazing people, um, and just, I've just continued to grow closer to Him. Um, I've fallen in love with being alive and experiencing God's perfect creation and learning that I'm part of that. I still have a lot of struggles, um, but I can rest in the comfort of the Lord and know that no matter what, he still calls me his child, and he created me with a purpose. And not just me, but all of us. And when things don't make sense, um, he's still always preparing a way for something greater, and there's a lot of joy ahead. Amen, amen. All right, church, let's celebrate. Let's stand, let's worship, let's celebrate the work of Jesus.